From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in authentic resourceful Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Steven McGregor, and I make nice games. I'm Martha Croy. I, too, make nice games. Martha's not with us today as the Winter Snivels has claimed her. But we'll soldier on for this interview episode as we welcome co-founder and executive director of Glitch, our pal Ava Kreikel, to talk about real-world resources for game makers. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. I miss Martha already. Yeah. I do, too. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that photo of her in a blanket, and I was expecting to see her in a blanket. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm sure she's in a blanket probably listening right now. I hope so. But, I hope yeah. so. Martha, you're here in spirit, um, and it's weird. Yeah, it is. It's like ghosts. <laughs> yeah, we're missing a whole third of our team. I know. But we've, we've made up the, f- you know, fractionally, at least, with, our, with Ava. Hi, Ava. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ava, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, my name is Ava Kreikel, and I serve as the executive director and creative director here at Glitch. Um, yeah, that's, that's my intro, I suppose. Do you, do you want to know other things? Well, I, I'll just, I'll say the way I would describe you is like the sort of the, you know, the matriarch, right. Of, of this community. And I will say that without glitch, there's no nice games club. True. There's, Aww. there's a lot of things that don't exist without glitch and without you. So like, well, others can hear us. Thank you. <laughs> All I can think about right now is last week I was watching alien and you, you were talking about matriarch and uh-huh. i'm just seeing like the queen alien right now uh-huh. like <laughs> that's all i can think of right that's exactly what i meant <laughs> you know like laying eggs that with the face suckers okay i'm, uh-huh. I'm done right <laughs> exactly that's what i picture whenever i think of yeah. you <laughs> i'm glad so i think uh, listeners who are already fans of ours hopefully there's enough of them um, have heard us talk about glitch a couple of times uh, mm-hmm. breathlessly and with great praise and so uh, we're happy to have you on to talk a little bit about it and about what Glitch offers and also what uh, organizations like Glitch can offer to people in game communities all over the place. So let's start out by just maybe give us a little bit of a background on how Glitch started, uh, its origin story. Sure. Uh, so I started Glitch with Nicholas Van Meerten, our other co-founder, uh, back in 2010. 2009, somewhere around 2010, because I was a freshman when you guys started. <laughs> <laughs> and um, really, for both of us, we were trying to do two things. Um, we were trying to figure out what kind of resources there are out there for people who are like us. We both come from very non-traditional backgrounds. Um, I did neuroscience and psych. I grew up, you know, building weird stuff online, um, <laughs> 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 including websites and weird battle simulators and AOL chat rooms and stuff. But I, I, I strayed away from that and rediscovered kind of like my love for games through uh, StarCraft and a random video that popped up on YouTube on my right hand side uh, of someone named, I think at the time it was, it was Cholera. So the, the person's name is Cholera. Uh, but that was his like screen name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he would always do these uh, whimsical, uh, like historical references when he was doing commentary on StarCraft. And I was like, I love this. I love games. How do I blend the things that I'm currently doing with, with games mm-hmm. and kind of like explore this again? Um, and so we started Glitch. And what we ended up doing was um, started hosting a bunch of different events, trying to figure out, uh, you know, how we could connect mm-hmm. uh with this space and this was as a student group yeah right? it was as a student group and um within the first um 
couple of events, we recognized that there was a huge demand for this. Uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of people that would come out not only to play, but also kind of explore what, you know, games ha had to offer. We did talks, we did panels, um, and tons of discussion. And then uh, we applied for some of our first uh, kind of chunks of funding mm -hmm. through the university. And we were awarded over $40,000 in our first like six to eight months. And we were like, we have something here and we can do something really good um, because, you know, it's very clear that it's not just me and Nick that mm -hmm. are interested in this. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, then we did stuff and <laughs> more things happened and we're here now and we have an office, right. which so, is super cool. Yeah, because, I mean, from those beginnings, Glitch has really grown and you offer a lot of programs, a lot of uh, events. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about the, the you know, the headlines of, of what Glitch does. Sure. Um, so we essentially, what, what I like to say is that uh, we're a bunch of nerds who play games and make games and we've built programs to help you do the same. Um, we have two uh, big events every single year, which is Gamecraft, which is coming up next month. Mm -hmm. um, which I'm is so a part, excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is a part of the, it, it's our Minneapolis local site for the Global Game Jam. Um, and 48 hours, you make a game with you know a bunch of people and uh last year we had 200 people and we do weird quirky things like put up tents and have people sleep in them and uh i don't know it's a lot of fun mm. <laughs> and then we also have glitch connect which is our annual festival uh think of it as like a arts festival conference weird things happen <laughs> <laughs> event and um People talk about the work that they do, they share stories, they share work, um, they also demo and showcase the work that they're currently doing, um, but it's really about connecting with others um, through this medium that we all love, which mm -hmm. is games. Mm -hmm. um, and then we also have uh, two ongoing programs, which is the Immersion Program, um, and uh, the Immersion Program is us embedding classrooms and work workshops into uh, different organizations and we work with a bunch of different partners to basically give you a very quick glimpse in two weeks about what game development and game design is like mm -hmm. um, on the ground floor and at the end of that you uh, are able to make a game mm -hmm. um, and you find a small team and, and you work together and build something in 24 hours and then show that to your friends and your family and the public yeah it's a yeah. lot of fun it's exciting stuff yeah, I, uh, Stephen and I and Martha are all uh, alumni of the immersion program, <laughs> and we all speak very highly of it. Mm -hmm. um, it's a great introduction, uh, whatever, regardless of what your experience level is, whether you've been making games for years or that you've never written a line of code. It's, it's, it is, the thing that impressed me most is how well suited it is for everybody. And because it is about people coming together, that's its main thing. Mm -hmm. And that's hard to get without a program like that. Yeah. Uh, it's been really difficult to, to design, to be completely honest, uh, mm -hmm. because everyone does come in with kind of a different background, yeah. but they all are very excited and very interested in building a game. So it's kind of, you know, how do we get everyone on the same page very quickly, but at the same time coming in with different experiences. Um, and then we also have a residency here uh, where we have uh, residents that work out of our office, kind of like a co-working space. Uh, there are a ton of these probably in your uh, city or in your state if you're not from Minnesota. Um, and then uh, we also just did power leveling last year and it's returning this year, uh, which is an international program where we help 
partner emerging game developers and game makers with uh, industry veterans. And you go to GDC together, and they help schedule some adventures, and uh, they act as your guild leader. Yeah. 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 Uh, we'll link to these cool programs uh, in our show notes. Yeah, that's right. I think people will want to know how they can get in on that, that goodness. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's good stuff. A lot of good stuff. Um, so I, I, a question about, about those programs. Uh, how, I mean, what, how do you get them done? Like, how do you get them funded, designed, I mean, from, from an idea how does it become a reality for an organization like Glitch? Um, well, when we actually started off, uh, the design was very fluid. Uh, we would just test, test things, see if it worked. Um, did people come out? Did people enjoy themselves? We do surveys and such like that afterwards. And these were the things that really stuck at the beginning. And then as we were transitioning from a student group into a full-fledged nonprofit and essentially a business, um, we sat down and got really serious about it. Um, so with the development and the design of, say, like the immersion program, we sat down and we started creating user profiles. Like that's the first thing you do, right, in UX design. Mm-hmm. Like we, we basically went through the entire design process and, and said like, okay, who are the people that are actually participating in this program? Who is it that we're thinking of? Um, we designed a couple of individuals and, you know, if funny thing is, like Charles was one of them. We just like took we we and Charles McGregor. We can probably link him somewhere. Yeah, that, that's but, my brother. <laughs> but uh, we we often you know will take uh, and create these user profiles so that we understand who our target demographic is for these programs. And we knew that we wanted like you know that first step, but who would actually participate in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we basically uh, design something. We uh, cross-reference that with some of the people who know best. Um, know best meaning uh, we work with current developers, whether they're in AAA or they're in indie, um, and make sure that we dot our I's and cross our T's. Like, is this very representative of the things that they're currently doing in industry? Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes there are mentors. Like, they're the instructors that you all met as well Mm -hmm. Um, and they truly believe in the mission and they help us design this so um, after that we we release it out in the wild and it's iterative it's so iterative and and all of you know this because (laughs) um, you have been forced by Nick to take you know a survey at the end of every single (laughs) every single workshop And he's like, be honest. Yeah. He can take it. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of every single workshop, you have, you know, a, a survey that um, is taken and we take all of that feedback so, so critically. Um, and we sit down at the end of every single uh, cohort after it's all done and we, you know, iterate on it and we, we just let it out there in the world and, and we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least you know, it's going to change over time and we know that it's a dynamic thing. Like what we need, even what game developers or emerging game developers need five years ago is not the same thing that they're going to need now. Mm-hmm. Um, everything just changes very drastically over time. So I think, um, and it also moves very fast too. So that's how we've been approaching our program design mm-hmm. is with the emerging game developers and also with the people who are currently working full time on games, whether again they're AAA or indie. 
Cool. Um, so when you are developing these programs, do you also approach how, what, what kind of a process you take in order to gather or to gain resources like uh, funding grants or something like that? Um, and it sounds like this, the, the process you use to develop uh, programs can kind of be used in a similar way to get grants. Is that possible or? Um, yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, so grants are a whole different beast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think grants are something that uh, one game developers, game designers, and game makers really don't tap into as much as I'd, I'd like to see everyone. So mm-hmm. I, I think this is a really great topic to jump on. Um, but the the process with grants is just a little bit different based on the grants and the granting organizations. Okay. Um, so there's a bunch of different, you know, funds that are available out there. Um, if you're relatively new to all of this, uh, you can start by looking at maybe some of your local arts organizations. Um, with Minnesota, we have some really, like, we have such a robust arts, uh, community here. Um, just looking at funds that are available through like MRAC, which is the Minnesota Regional Arts Council, looking at the state arts board, um. There's tons of grants annually that come from um, the McKnight Foundation and also uh, like Northern Lights and Northern Spark. I know Northern Lights just recently launched their Artist on the Verge program. That's phenomenal. It's $5,000. Go work on your craft. Go build, you know, your game. Like you could just apply to go build your game and they will ask you like, who do you want as your mentor? And um, they'll they'll pair you with that person here in Minnesota, and uh, you essentially show off your stuff, and it's five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So I mean, if you're already working on your game, you might as well just apply for this, get five thousand mm-hmm. dollars to at least fund you during that time, and then you know show off your game. Like yeah. that's all they ask of you is you you show it off either in a gallery setting or you show it off in a way that makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's tons of funds like that. And on a national level, if we're not talking about Minnesota, uh, maybe start with the National Endowment for the Arts or National Endowment for Humanities. Um, and if your game has like a, a more social impact vibe to it, like if you, you know, are working on an education game, um, there's the, the Department of Education, uh, uh, just straight, you know, like the, the National Department of Education there's tons of different ways to fund your projects and your games, but you just have to really understand what it is that you're building and how it could make an impact in one way or another, whether it's through the arts or through the humanities. Um, and I think that just takes a little bit of time and understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that, I mean, that sort of can do spirit. Is that something that you need to have when you're getting funding for glitch programs? If I gave up <laughs> uh yeah we we wouldn't be funded mm-hmm. i mean we glitch is funded partially through grants we probably have about like 30 to 40 percent of our funding that comes in through grants mm-hmm. um but at the same time i mean i we send out i think you you two hear this because you're in the office from time to time <laughs> uh but we send out probably three to five grants monthly mm-hmm. and we get no's constantly right but you know that one yes or that two the two yeses um every couple of months or every quarter even like Mm -hmm. let's say we get one yes every quarter that might be for 15 20 50 thousand dollars and that's worth it Mm -hmm. um that's part of our job right you know so yeah Mm -hmm. ideally i'd love to be able to someday uh with glitch like 
have organ like grants organizations recognize that we we can actually re-grant some of these things. Sure. Because I would love to be able to actually offer those grants since, you know, there's like a, a a degree of separation between us and then the granting organizations and then us and then also, or like the granting organizations and the game makers. Mm-hmm. So for us to be an intermediary and just to say, hey, this is a project that's amazing. Here's some funding. Go do your thing. Right. And we right. will just support you. Here's funding do whatever, be awesome, go out in the world and conquer it. Like, I want to be able to do that someday, but that's going to take some time because um, a lot of these foundations and a lot of uh, these organizations are still getting used to the idea of games even. Sure, yeah. Um, and sometimes they shut down and sometimes they're like, oh God, yes, why haven't we been doing this all along? Right, right. Um, but uh, there's so much, there's, there's a lot in between that too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you know, in the meantime, before, you know, you can achieve those sort of long-term goals, you have the day-to-day job of mm-hmm. helping build this community. And so, you know, um, it, let's, if you're out there, maybe you're not local to, to Minneapolis and you want to start a community like we're building here, um, what do you do? How do you get started? Just do it. Do a meetup. I mean, like before, um, I mean, I think the, the simplest thing that you could do is just start it up do an Eventbrite. Um, there's a ton of meetups going on worldwide. Um, I know like Unity has their own meetups that they they host and launch and there's uh, a ton of different chapters of IGDA and we have we have a chapter here uh, for IGDA and um, man, just just go to a meetup or mm-hmm. uh, start one. But first, like before you before you start one, like take a look around and see if there's something that already exists and if it does, then try to work with them, try to partner with them. And right. if things don't work out, then do something on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it doesn't exist, then do it on your own too. Yeah, so. yeah. And that's an, that's an interesting part of the equation because I think the idea of community building, especially for, um, uh, I guess you'd call them niche communities, right? Or maker communities where it's hard to find people, right? Um, I think a lot of those form online. That's, mm-hmm. that's very natural. It's very easy. And you can get so much from it. But I know that we've talked about that a lot here about how there's nothing really compares. It sounds like such an old fashioned sentiment, but nothing really compares to meeting people in person and knowing there's a person standing in front of you who, who is going through the same things as you are. Yeah. You know, go out there and find people mm-hmm. because that's, uh, you know, rather than go online and find people, which isn't to say you can't do that too. You should be doing that too. Yeah. Um, and so how do you convince people to like do that? Because I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm just going to spend hours and hours looking at YouTube tutorials and then I'll be a master. And, and you know, that sounds, I mean, I'm making fun of that sentiment, but I believe that like when I started making stuff, I'm like, well, I'm a autodidact. I can figure it out on my own and, uh, and I can ask people on forums and that's great. And it really wasn't until I got involved in meat space that I realized how much better it could be. So how do you, as someone who's fostering these communities, who's building these spaces and these events, how do you convince people to join in? Interesting question. I guess I, I don't think of it as, as convincing them, but just showing them that there's value. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what is it that is the value that we can provide for them? And usually it comes in a couple forms. Like uh, what we've recognized is, one, people like to meet others who are like themselves. Yeah. So if there's that drive already to want to meet others that are similar to them just in a, in a normal space, then we provide that space. That's not difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, two, uh, just learning from each other, uh, the, the thirst for knowledge and the thirst to, to 
be better and to do something, you know, uh, that is different or new is something that I think most of us have and mm -hmm. have a drive for. Yeah. Um, so if we offer some way for those people to come out and learn something in a very direct, but also um, creative way, like we're not saying you should do this step by step. We're saying that you should explore it the way that you feel most comfortable. But again, offering that space and creating that environment for them to do that. And um, third, I think offering some way, shape, or form of uh, support, whether it's monetary or emotional. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, so monetary meaning, like, is this something that, you know, I can find funding for? Because I think a lot of people, that actually is one of the biggest issues when, you know, a lot of us are creative people. Um, I think at the end of the day, uh, I've noticed that most people shy away from talking about money. Yeah. <laughs> most people shy away from talking about business. But at the same time, um, I think everyone's curious on how to work on this full time, right? Yeah. Like yeah. everyone that's involved that works with games wants to know how they can work on games full time. Um, and having a place to talk about that or having somewhere to uh, meet others to talk about that is really important. And then also the emotional support, which is we all have a unique experience. And I think that we all have kind of a shared experience in that we're all interested in games and we all have faced similar things such as, you know, there's the, you know, game breaking bug. <laughs> yes. What the hell do I do? All with that? too familiar with that. Yeah, and I'm live at an event. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. uh, Definitely and familiar with that. There are others that are around that can help me with that. Like, yeah. oh, even the other day when, you know, uh, Mark was at uh, the source. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Will couldn't get his game up on mm -hmm. Katie's computer. And you were like, hey, I have this device. Mm -hmm. uh, why don't you try it here? I think like those really small moments are the things that really define a community and are attractive to others, mm -hmm. right? And so it all is about creating an ecosystem and a space for exploration and creativity and also education. Yeah, that community aspect is so invaluable. It's just, it's, it's, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but it's just such a, it's just such a boost to my morale when I, when I can mm -hmm. get help from other people and can help other people uh, in, in the same way. Uh, and yeah, I think that's I think that's wonderful that we have that here, and hopefully, this podcast can help you with that too. Yeah, that mm -hmm. that that uh, supplying that motivation mm -hmm. is something. I mean, they, you're right. We've talked about it on the show before. But we're not going to stop talking. No, about yeah, <laughs> like that is that is kind of the thesis of of this program almost is mm -hmm. to is to is to motivate people. Yeah, to you know, not not even in just the don't give up way, but just the like you know, uh, provide things that motivate you. Yeah. Right. It's not even, it's not just encouragement. It's about actually providing real concrete reasons to keep at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, I can even name some of the spaces that do a really great job. Um, like in San Francisco, um, John runs, uh, games nest mm -hmm. and that's, I think, I don't even remember the location, but games nest is a co-working space. And I know like, um, John was previously on, uh, the firewatch team and, um, the folks who work from Spry Fox are also there. Um, I don't even remember some of the other teams right now, but yeah. So Games Nest in San Francisco, Glitch City, LA is also home to like Teddy. I think he, his last name is Deef. Like it's D I E F. Um, but the guy who's responsible for like Hyper Life Drifter or mm -hmm. Hyper Light Drifter, 
um, comes from Glitch City LA. Um, there's a, another organization that's actually very similar to Glitch and actually started the same year that we did, super cool, um, called Hen Eye Society, and that's up in Toronto, also run by a super badass lady boss, um, and she <laughs> also happens to be Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> My my doppelganger in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I mean you you bring it up. It's yeah. that 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 issue of diversity in this community, which is something I've seen and really appreciated. How how important and how difficult is that to foster? Uh, it's difficult, mm-hmm. um, and it's difficult from all parties. I think uh, mostly because I think games have traditionally been seen as uh, predominantly male. It demographically um marketers see it as predominantly male that's changing over time mm-hmm. um and especially like with the mobile space and such like that um and even the development community in terms of triple a's you can look at you know data that's out there mm-hmm. um predominantly white male mm-hmm. so um i think there's a lot going against games um but there's also a lot that's changed over time yeah um and I think at the end of the day, and the core for, and our, our at least philosophy is making sure that uh, people with different and uh, diverse backgrounds are recognized mm-hmm. um, and are asked to be involved. Right. So uh, mentors or guild leaders that are a part of power leveling, um, mentors or instructors that are a part of our immersion program. Like it's just a part of our DNA mm-hmm. and we seek out people who have um, different and diverse perspectives. Um, and man, it's hard. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you are a person of color or a woman um, or someone from the LGBT community, oh man, shout from the, shout from the hills or, I don't know, skyscrapers. Uh, make it easier to find you. I, I, I feel like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it's been really hard to find people, um, even when I'm asking um, to go back to your original question, it's hard. Right, right. Thank you for putting in that effort. Yeah. Because <laughs> I notice it. I mean, I'm I'm a white man, and it's it would be easy for me to never care about this. <laughs> it would the society is set up for me not to care, and it's nice to be in a place that cares. Thanks. Right? Yeah, it's it's wonderful to be around <laughs> such diverse people. Mm-hmm. It's great. I've I mean I've I've experienced so many different opinions, and uh, it's it's great because it's opened my eyes to things that I never would have uh, experienced otherwise. Yeah. One more reason that Glitch is just the best. Thing. Stop it. <laughs> Look at this. Oh. oh. Is, is that the podcast's very first tier? Oh, stop it. Nice. We'll put a plaque on the wall. Can we frame it? <laughs> well, Ava, thank you so much for taking the time and telling yeah. us all about Glitch and about building a community. Um, our listeners are likely going to want to know more about all of this about Glitch and your work. So where can they do that? Um, you can find us online pretty easily. We're on most, yeah, almost all social media. So Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, it's just GlitchMN. Or actually on Instagram, it's Glitch.MN because someone took GlitchMN. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever that is. Well. Um, and then our website is just www.glitch.mn. 
right, that's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or a nice like us. It's incredibly important for new shows like ours to get noticed, so spread the word. We also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice hosts, as well as get all the links and notes from this episode at NiceGames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.